Father, we just thank you once again, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for already ministering to us in so many ways, Lord, through so many words. Father, you've encouraged us and touched us in this morning. Once again, Lord, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, speak to our hearts. Father, 30 days, O oh Lord, into this lockdown, you've been faithful. And we believe and, you, and we trust, O oh Lord, that you will even speak to us this morning. Challenge us. Enable us to draw close to you. That, Lord, that we will truly understand your ways, know your paths. That we seek your face, O oh Lord. And, Lord, that you would, Lord, equip us, empower us in your word. And empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would grant us a fresh anointing. Even during these days, O Lord, that a deposit of anointing will be, Father, saved in our inner man, O Lord. Grant us grace, O Lord Jesus, to that end. And therefore we pray, Father, for a fresh anointing this morning. Even over the speaking and over the hearing of this word. Grant us clarity. And the unction to speak with clarity and the authority and the anointing to obey and to, to understand and to obey whatever we have spoken to our hearts. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, one verse which I want to look at this morning before we go on to the meat of this word, found in First Peter chapter one, let's read, read from verse three onwards. Um, three to five. Three to five. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. And verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. You know, if you are a believer, this is true for all of us who are believers, who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. First, that we have been granted new birth. Uh, that's the reason why he says, unless you are born again, you do not... You're born from above and born again of the spirit and of the word. You don't see or enter into the kingdom of God. So if you've been granted new birth, what scripture poem promises is that you've been uh, born again into a living hope. Our hope is not dead. It's a living hope. And that living hope is preparing us for an inheritance that we have. Yeah. It's an incorruptible inheritance. All right. Absolutely. Um, without corruption and therefore to enjoy that kind of a incorruptible inheritance we need to have an incorruptible body therefore you know God is preparing us cleansing us through the washing of water by the word and that we will have a undefiled unspotted inheritance unsoiled inheritance yeah and then that inheritance will never fade away uh, inheritance which will last all eternity which will enjoy all eternity, like we'll have pleasures forevermore. And in order to enjoy that, you know what is happening in verse 5? What is happening? We are being kept. 
that's the, that's something which I want to look at today. We've been kept, guarded by the power of God. That through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. This is a salvation to the uttermost. Okay. Till that point that we reach, we believe and we keep on believing till the end. Okay. There's a continuous believing. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth is what you say, keeps on believing is actually the tense. Okay. Keeps on believing will not perish, but have an everlasting life and everlasting inheritance in order to enjoy that inheritance. What are we being, what is happening? We being kept. It's a very beautiful word. The word to be kept is a word to be guarded like a fortress. Okay. That is the reason why I love Martin Luther's song, which I taught all my children. No, a mighty fortress is our God. Okay. A bulwark never failing. Our helper he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Still our ancient foe that seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. Okay. On earth is not his equal and therefore we need Jesus who is there guarding us, keeping us to enjoy uh, that um, inheritance. So how does he guard us? You know, one, of, one of the things that we need to continuously pray. Okay, is this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. If you turn with me to Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, we know this very well. Verse 13. Okay, because he promised that he is going to keep us and therefore we pray this prayer. Do not, what? Lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, the poneros, our ancient foe. <laughs> okay, he goes, his craft, his power is great and armed with cruel hate. Still our ancient foe. He's still our foe. This, this world is not our, uh, is not our friend. The enemy is definitely, his name is enemy. He's, he's not definitely not our friend and our flesh is also not our friend. So we need to be, we need to ask God constantly, Lord, deliver us from the evil one and do not lead me into temptation. And therefore, one of the last exhortations, if you will, of Jesus before he is uh, captured, one of the last uh, is found in Matthew chapter 26 and let's read from verse 40 and 41. This is when he is praying his prayer in Gethsemane. This is what we see. He says, then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? And he says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Okay. So this is our prayer. And say, Lord, watch and pray that I will not be led into temptation. Because there are several churches that we that we have in the book of Revelation. But one church which, which we all want to be a part of, I'm ho- I hope, is uh, is what? Philadelphia. Oh, very nice. Okay. That is what we all want to be a part of. Right. Okay. There's the other church which, which God promised that he'll be led into. You'll be allowed testing for 10 days. We don't want to be a part of. So look at what it says in Revelation chapter 3 verses 10 and 12. Look at what he says. This is, this is, this is very interesting. Um, 10 to 12. Because you have kept my command. That is the point. To perceiver. What is that? That you will continue to say, Lord, continue to watch and continue to pray. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no man may 
take your crown. So this is, this is, um, and he who overcomes, um, I'll make him a pillar, etc. So th- that is our prayer. So Lord, keep me, guard me. Okay. Put a constant prayer that we pray, Lord, put a hedge of protection around me. <laughs> right. For, for against what, Baba? From myself. That I will not be tempted because it says, nobody is, no, nobody should say that he is tempted by God. But everyone is tempted when he is enticed by his own desires. That's James, you don't have to turn there, we'll maybe study it later. Okay, or, we, or we can go there. James chapter 1, let's see. Yeah. And verse, um, Verse 13 onwards, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt everyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. It is the enticements, okay. Desires and is enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So we, we can study this later on. But God does not tempt anyone, but he does he does allow temptation sometimes, but he also does not allow temptations more that we, uh, than than that which we can bear. So he there is always a protective uh, hedge that he places around us. Therefore, today this morning we will look at one prayer. You know what what that prayer is found in uh, Psalm 19, and let's read from Psalm 19 and verses 12 um, to 13. This is remarkable, right? Who can understand his errors? Okay. Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Remember, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. So where do we cut away sin? At the thought level. Okay. And therefore, this is examination of the heart. Essentially what is happening over here. And the fourth, I mean three things at least he mentions over here. Uh, Four things. He talks about errors, secret faults, presumptuous sins and great transgression. Okay. Errors, secret sins or secret faults, presumptuous sins and great transgression. So how, how does he say, how does he start? He says, who can understand his errors? What, what, what is, it's a rhetorical question and we know, uh, we've learned from several men of God. What does it mean? How do you uh, answer a rhetorical question? By making it into a statement. Okay. No one can understand his errors. That's the point. Okay. And what does the word error mean? It means the ability to get deceived or to go astray. That's exactly what Jesus tells, tells the uh, Sadducees. What does he say? You err. Why? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. And what are we kept by? We are kept by the Power of God through faith for a salvation which is ready to be received in the in the last times. So uh, he says, "You do not know the scriptures, nor you know the power of God." And in order to know the power of God, we should know the scriptures, and to experience the power of God. Okay, we cannot have the power of God unless we know the scriptures. And we should, after knowing the scriptures, we should not say, "I don't need the power of God." I need the power of God to know the scriptures. And there was one guy in the in, in the in the New Testament who who was given a particular commendation about his understanding of scriptures. You know who that guy is? Apollos. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's Acts chapter eighteen. Uh, look at what it says in Acts chapter eighteen, verse twenty-four onwards. This is, should be our aim in life. Okay, this is a Holy Spirit recording through uh, Doctor Luke. 
Okay, and Dr. Luke and Dr. Richard is also here. No problem. So, doctors also are evangel- whatever they are. Okay. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. It's beautiful, no? This is his introduction. An eloquent man, mighty in scriptures. And that's exactly what we all need to endeavor to become. Mighty in scriptures. And verse 25, this man has been instructed in the way, in the first part, in the way of the Lord. Second, he had a fervency of spirit. Third, he spoke and he taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only till the baptism of John. Okay, this guy, he knows only till the baptism of John, until what he knew, he taught it accurately. Okay, so, and he is called mighty in scriptures. And then something else happens to him, verse 26 now. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, alright, when Aquila and Priscilla, there are other Jews also, okay, who were alongside Paul, they were tent makers alongside Paul, they were Paul's colleagues and co-workers, they took him aside, I like that, <laughs> and explained to him the way of the Lord more accurately, I like that, no? See, in, in Christianity, there are two options, there is an accurate way and the more accurate way. Okay, and the accurate way is the enemy of the more accurate way. Don't get satisfied with the accurate way. That is what, that's exactly what has happened to a large part of the Protestant church. You know, they know the scriptures accurately only until a certain baptism. Okay, they don't believe in the doctrine of baptisms, so to speak. Okay, so there is an accurate way. And there is a more accurate way. And how did this uh, guy learn the more accurate way? From Aquila and Priscilla and uh, who do you think uh, was better? Aquila and Priscilla. Man. I believe Priscilla was better. Okay, <laughs> I think so. Okay, uh, And this is very interesting. They, t- they took him aside. They didn't say, oh, you're wrong. And I like the humility of this guy also. That he is willing to learn from Aquila and Priscilla so that he can be more accurate in the scriptures. Why do we need to be more accurate in scriptures? Because we err, because we do not know what? The scriptures, nor the power of God. So, so a lot of people err because they only know the scriptures accurately. They don't know the scriptures more accurately. You understand? Okay? So we need to learn from everybody. Okay? They should have a teachable spirit. That's what we, uh, we need to always have. See, and there is a better way and a more better way. Okay, for example, I'll show you. First Corinthians chapter 7, this principle, okay. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 38. <laughs> okay, look at what it says. So then he who gives her marriage does well. In marriage does well. But he who does not give, give her in marriage does better. You know, it's very interesting. Well and better. Accurate, more accurate. Okay. So, so what do you want? Accurate or more accurate? Well or better? That is the reason why Hebrews talks about a better covenant, better promises. Be- better, better, better. Okay? It's, a, it's like bitty bought butter and the butter was bitter. So bitty bought better butter. So this is be- better. This is a better way. Okay? So there's a, always a better way. Always a better way. So the way we know errors and we keep ourselves from error is by knowing the scriptures and the power of God. Both. Second, he talks about this. So there are errors, so I need to understand my own heart, so that I don't get deceived. And in order to understand my own heart, 
I need to know the scriptures. And many people get deceived because they don't know the, don't know the scriptures. And one, once brother Zach make, made a very powerful statement. He says, those who do not know the scriptures deserve to get deceived. I said, oh Lord, why did he even say that? And why did I even hear that? But that's a, it's a fact. So many, so many people, they do not know the scriptures and that's precisely the reason why they get deceived. Anybody can come and deceive them. That is the reason why in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, the fivefold ministry has been given so that you will not be too, too, uh, tossed to and fro by every wind of, wind of doctrine, by the craftiness and the deceitfulness of men. That, that you be rooted and grounded with love, you will be able to know the length, breadth and height and the will of God and then you will grow into maturity and the maturity to the full stature of Christ Jesus so that you will not be deceived. You need to understand. So there is a deception in the last days and one of the ways that we guard our hearts against deception is by understanding our uh, ability to get deceived. That is what who can understand his errors. Okay, the, Our ability to go astray. So that is the reason why that hymn writers were so fantastic. He says prone to Wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart and take a seal it. Seal it for the quotes about that. Could be a very emotional song. But the way we keep our heart from getting going astray is by thy word have I hidden my heart. Here's my heart. Let me hide your word in my heart. More. So this time that God has given you, Spend time in the presence of the Lord and hide as much as you of, of the word of God as you can. Read through the scriptures and study the scriptures and take whatever help that we are able to give you during these days to at least get a taste, inclination and the, and the desire to pursue uh, God in the scriptures. Alright, so the second thing is there are secret faults. Alright, so first thing is there are errors and there are secret faults and therefore it says cleanse me from what? My secret faults. How do you cleanse yourself from secret faults? Two ways. First thing, it says in Ephesians, I mean two verses, which will give us a methodology as to how we cleanse ourselves from secret faults. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11, and you can put it in KJV, it'll be good, okay? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 to 12, 11 to 13. Look at what it says. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. How do you reprove them? Look at what it says. For it is shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. So bring it to light. Don't hide your sin. That's exactly the reason why one John will say, if you say that you are without sin, you make God a liar. So bring it to light. So for whatsoever that make manifest is light. Because God is not here to condemn us. No, that's what we keep on telling. God is there to convict us and to show us because He loves us and He is darkness and we, and He is light and we are darkness and, and He wants us to continuously live in His presence and therefore He says, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men love darkness. They love darkness more than they had this, what unconditional love for darkness it says. Men love darkness more than light because their deeds were evil for whatever is made. He says, whatever that myth manifest is a light. So, so bring them to light. Reprove them. And the way we do it, I'll show you. James chapter uh, 5, if you have the KJV, again, verses 15 and 16. For James chapter 5, yeah. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Hmm? Confess your faults one to another. That is how we keep ourselves from 
secret faults. Confessing our faults. Have an accountability partner. So I keep, keep getting one email every Monday morning from, from one brother from the church. Accountability partner. This is what this person wants to be accountable to. You have accountability partners. It's great. It's good. To have accountability partners so you can always keep your account, yourselves accountable to because you are living constantly accountable to that person. And the problem is so many people have no accountability at all. Okay, That is the reason why he says in Hebrews chapter 13, honor those who labor in the word, consider them worthy of double honor because they have to give an account for your souls. Okay, so use opportunities. No, I was talking to Raj yesterday last night. He was telling me those days when I was I used to, I used to grow up. I, I'm growing up in the Lord. I used to call Pastor James at any time in the night. Of course, now he doesn't do it. No, better not do it. Okay, <laughs> so call. So this this that's accountability. You see, keep yourself accountable, and you'll what will happen is you'll be cleansed constantly from hidden faults, because nobody can understand his errors. That is the reason why God has given us a fellowship. It's a fellowship of believers which will make you into a prophet of God. <laughs> Truly, in the new covenant. Okay? Keep that in mind. Alright. So, third one, see, so he says, he talks about uh, errors, he talks about hidden faults, and then he talks about the most deadliest of all presumptuous sins. And he says, keep, I want to be kept from presumptuous sins. Okay, what is, you know, the, the, word, the Hebrew word is Zed, which means arrogant attitude towards sin. It's like, you know, uh, there's no, there, I'll do it and God, I'll ask God for forgiveness. That, that's exactly what it is. I, I'll just go ahead and do it and I'll get corrected along the way. I will do it even if God asks me not to do it. Hoping that when I do it, God will come and say, okay, fine, let me just help you out. That is presumption. That's arrogance. That's pride. It's rebellion. For example, I'll give you an example over here. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 42 onwards. Hmm? Okay. And the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go... not." Up nor fight, for I am not among you, lest you should be defeated before your enemies. When has this happened? When did this happen? When the Israelites, when God said, now go and possess the land, they said, no, 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 we can't go. And God was upset. He says, fine, you're not going anymore. All you fellows will die. 20 years and above, you will die in this wilderness. And then they said, okay, okay, now we'll go. And they went. And Moses said, I am not going with you. Don't go. God is not with you. So many people are like, we, we, we are also like that, no? We just go ahead and do it, something, some, uh, something, and say, Lord, come on, please help me along the way, no? You've gone in your own way, you've gone in your presumption, and now what you want? God to come and correct your mistakes. See, if God has called you, and you hear the voice of God, and you begin to obey, in that path, if you err, God is correcting you, will correct you. Abraham heard the voice of God, left the Ur of the Chaldeans and Haran and started going into the promised land and whatever mistakes he made in the promised land, God was able to correct because he heard and he started obeying and in the process of obedience he erred. But here, God said don't go very clearly and you go ahead and do it and then you expect God to come and 
correct you on the way is not going to happen. This is exactly what he said. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen to me, but rebelled. You see, the very powerful word, the same word for rebel is the, the, the Hebrew word Mara, which we also get the, the word bitterness. And uh, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Mara. That means what is happening over here, these guys are already in the realm of what? Witchcraft. See, there are only two sources of power. The power of God or the power of witchcraft. Hmm? So he says, so I spoke to you and you would not listen but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and what? Presumptuously went up into the mountain. And then you know what happened. What happened was 42, 40 and the Amorites who dwelt in the mountain came out against you, chased you as bees do and drove you back to Sire, to Horma and you returned and wept before the Lord but the Lord would not listen to the voice nor give ear to you. You see, you would not. It's presumption. So there are sins of commission, a sins of omission, <laughs> and the third category is a sins of presumption. We better, be, better be careful about this, okay? And ask God, Lord, guard me from, keep me from the sin of presumption that I go when I clearly have heard from God not to do this. Okay? So if you have uh, understood your errors, that you have cleansed yourself from secret faults, and then you have asked God to keep you from presumptuous sins. You know what will happen? The third thing, the fourth thing, the result, you will be upright, it says. You know, everybody wants to walk upright, so this is the way you will be upright. And he says, keep me from presumptuous sins, let them not have what? Domain, let them not reign over me, because I know my heart, Lord. I am a proud fellow, I like to do what I want to do. See, I was, yesterday, like last night, pastor was saying, right? John 7, 17, he says, if anyone wills to do the will of God, then he will know. Lot of people want to know first and then they will do. God says, first you will and then you will know. Understood? There's no way you can know the ways of God unless and until you will to do the will of God. Okay? I don't understand, Lord, but I'm surrendering my will. And then things will start beginning to make sense. Okay? So then you will be upright and then you will be innocent of great transgression. Great transgression. Boy, we can transgress mega. <laughs> don't ever think that we don't have the propensity to do it. That is the reason why we are constantly keeping ourselves. So we start with errors. We should understand your errors. Keep yourselves in secret faults. And if you don't do deal, deal with these two things regularly, then you will become very presumptuous because you would have lost your hearing from God and you will do things in your own way. In a lot of presumption. Presumption is not faith. First, you know what faith comes from? From, from, from where? From hearing. When you hear and then you do and then you make a mistake, God is able to correct you. You don't hear and still do and you make a lot of faults and say, God help me. Huh, forget. That is presumption, not faith. Understood? So, that's what uh, we... So, we have to take... See, faith is a lot of risk for sure. But you know what? There is an assurance which you already heard. God has already spoken to us. That is what the point is. If your God has not spoken to you, then you do a lot of things. It is presumption. And so many Christians have not heard from God and they do keep doing things. That is presumption, my dear brothers. And then they make a mess of their lives. They create a mess and then they exit, Oh Lord, what do I do? What? Did I not tell you? Don't act in presumption. So 
many, I've seen in 12 years in the church, I've seen so many people acting in presumption, including myself. And then after, after acting in presumption, I say, Lord, help me. Let, what? Go back. Go back. Set it right. Okay. Don't, don't act in presumption. Here. What did I, what did I say? Here. And then obey. And when in the path of obedience, if, if you are making mistakes, God is able to correct you. Don't act in presumption. Amen. So what is it, what should we ask God for? Lord, keep me. And right from the beginning, if you look at the Bible, you know, God's desire is to keep us from sinning. You know that? Right from the beginning. The desire of God is to keep you from sinning. And the desire of God is that you reign over sin. How do I know it? Outside the garden of Eden. We know inside the garden of Eden, we have already studied several times. So let us look, look at outside the garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 4 verse 6. What does it say? The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now see, we know this very well. We already saw it in different contexts. It says that God saw Abel and he accepted his offering. God saw Cain and he did not accept his offering. And if you turn to one, if you don't, if you, you go and read one John chapter four, it says, or chapter three, if I'm right, he says, Cain was accepted because his ways were righteous. Ah, sorry, Abel was accepted because his ways were righteous and Cain was not accepted because his ways were what? Unrighteous. Already God saw his life and he says, you know, there's so many crooked trajectories you have taken in your life and you're expecting me to accept your offering. It's not going to happen. No? Just see, you don't steal from God and give to God. (laughs) Or don't steal from somebody and give to God. You don't do that. Okay. So he, he, he looks at Cain and he says, why, are you, why, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, what is at the door? Sin. Instead of it ruling you, you should rule. And what did God do? He warned him. You see, you don't take the warnings of God, you will become a wanderer from God. It's a very, 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 very important lesson in our lives. You do not take the warnings of God, you will become a wanderer from God. And what we call as incorrigible. Oh yeah! One guy who could never change anymore. Wanderer from God. He never took the warnings of God. And that is the reason why the ministry that has been entrusted into the preaching preachers and the preachers of the word of God is this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 onwards. You can, you can read that. To him, to them God willed to make known the riches, what the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then look at this. Him we preach. And what do we do? Warning every man. And teaching every man in all wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And to this end we labor. So the whole purpose of the ministry is to want. You know what? If you look at um, uh, the entire book of Deuteronomy, there is uh, there is one word keep, keeps on recurring. You know what the word is? Careful. In Telugu it's Jagrata. Okay. And there was a, there's a tel- television program called Tasmat Jagrata. Jagrata means very big, be very careful. Remember the, the one of the fruits of the repentance is, you know, 
what kind of a God, this godly sorrow led you to repentance and one of the attributes of that repentance is what dash it wrought in you. Carefulness, yes. What carefulness it wrought in you. You become careful. The fear of God comes. And you you know the boundaries that you, are, you might have crossed. And one of the things that you constantly are, are um, warned of is that there is a hedge around you. Don't penetrate that. And that hedge is, is spiritual. You can't see it with the physical eyes. Okay, so if God has put up hedge around you, we'll come to that hedge later on. But warning every man, warning. There's a place of warning right from the beginning. This was his, this was his, his, his heart that you would not have, the presumptuous sins would not have what? Dominion over you. And he warned, keeps on warning. And another place, First Thessalonians chapter 5, you will. I forgot to uh, write it here. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Hmm? Uh, Timothy ke aage. Who should be warned? Hmm? Uh, verse 13 onwards. 13 onwards. Okay. And esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. This is talking about people who uh, labor in the word of God. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you brothers. Warn those who are unruly. You know what the word unruly is? Idle. Comfort the faint hearted. Uphold the weak and be patient with all. <laughs> so who should be warned? Who are unruly. What does unruly mean? The person who will never follow rules. Whose, whose constant uh, slogan in his life is, rules are meant to be broken. Jagrata. So warn. Okay, so unruly behavior is there in all of us. So warn. Okay, be warned. So first thing. So we God is already warning us. Second. Second place... He talks about this is found in Genesis chapter 20. I find this is like a, one of the most incredible episodes. Okay, Genesis chapter 20. Let's read from verse 1 onwards. 1 to 7. Hmm? And Abraham journeyed from there to south and dwelt between Kades and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said to, his, to Sarah, his wife. This is not Abraham saying to Sarai. <laughs> it's remarkable, okay. This is Abraham said to Sarah. You know, uh, I think Warren Wiersbe wrote a book um, on, actually a commentary on Malachi, The Sins of Believers. This is one of the sins of a believer. Okay, be very careful. Okay, this is, just look at what it says. No, Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech's king of Gerar, sent and took her. Simple. One statement, oh, oh, okay, na? You, you said she's sister, she, he went and took her. Okay, and look at this. This is powerful. God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. And said to him, indeed you are a dead man. So, okay. Indeed you are a dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken. For she is a man's wife. And look at this fellow's answer. Put so many Christians to shame. So that guy is a believer. An unbeliever is going to put him to shame now. Look at what he says. But Abimelech said. Had not come near her and said. In the, in the dream he is having a conversation. Okay, That's interesting. In the dream he is having a conversation. Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? I mean, he is like, no, he has become like Abraham. Will you slay the righteous with the unrighteous? Hmm? Remember how he was interceding for uh, Lot? And now the same words, Abimelech saying, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Slay a righteous nation also? And look at what he says. Verse 5. Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. He already knows James. 
what is that? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, he's like already, he's quoting James, no? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. You know what God says? And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. Therefore, I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Boy! What an amazing statement that is. How did he stop her from, from him sinning? Because of the integrity of his heart. What is this integrity, Baba? I was thinking, what is the integrity? To the best of your knowledge. That's what he, you know, he says, right? Did he not tell me this and did he not tell me that? To the best of my knowledge, I kept myself pure. There's a principle in the Bible. It's called to the best of your knowledge principle. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. Verse 11 and 12 if you can. But, yeah. Uh, but now you also must complete. Okay, so let's verse, read only verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what, what one does not have. To the best of your knowledge. To the best of your knowledge you keep. You don't have to learn so much of gyan. That is the reason why not many should be teachers because they know a lot and they keep very little. Okay. <laughs> to the best of your knowledge, understand and say, Lord, I have kept, I have kept the integrity of my heart. To the best of my knowledge, I am innocent. I am faultless. And you know what does God say? I kept you therefore. I kept you. Another place, no? Another place. Uh, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 39. It was seven. We know this very well. We looked at it in several contexts. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. And then go on. There is no one greater in this house than etc. And verse 10. So yeah, how then can I, verse 9, how then can I do this great beginners and sin against my God? You know, what keeps you from sinning? The fear of God. That is exactly the reason why, you know, so one of the prayer requests was from one of the parents, let the fear of God guard our hearts, guard our children, that they will have the fear of God. The fear of God keeps you from sinning. And we delight in the fear of God. You fear God. You fear when you make some errors in, let's say, in your taxes, let's say, Boy, you fear. When you are spoken against authority, you fear. Don't take these things lightly because it says that when uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against uh, the uh, Moses, who heard? The Lord heard. <laughs> it's very interesting. The Lord hears. The Lord hears. Okay. So, so right from there, Right from the beginning, God's heart is that, you know, that we will be what? Kept from sinning. And that our desire is to be a people who desire to be kept from sinning. So there's one classic text in the Bible which explains this doctrine very well. Anybody knows it? Classic text in the Bible. One whole chapter, 42, 44 verses is given to how to keep yourself from sinning. Yesterday, pastor mentioned it. If you remember very well. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's uh, found in First Samuel chapter 25. Okay. <laughs> A classic text to be kept from sinning. 
How do you do this? Okay, let's read from. Samuel died. Okay. And Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. Okay, this is just before, you know, just before that, you know that David uh, has this opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't want to touch Lord's anointed. That's one of the things that you need to really have the fear of God. This is the Lord's anointed, I will not touch. I don't, notwithstanding the fact that this guy is right or wrong, that's not my business. It's the Lord's business, okay? So let's move on. And this is what happens now. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now comes the classic text on being kept from sinning. Let's read it. Introduce all the characters first, okay? Now there was a man in Maon. You know, it's a beautiful word in Hebrew which means a dwelling place, a habitation. Okay. Habitation. Okay. Whose business was in Carmel. A man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, a 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal. Rich businessman. Rich fool. We'll come to that later. And the name of his wife was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding. That is how it starts. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say she's a beautiful girl. First, she was a woman of good understanding. Isn't it interesting? The word good, you know what is the Hebrew word for good? Tov. Okay. And it says in Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were good. <laughs> and they took, they didn't look for uh, understanding. They just looked. So, so many sons of God. Born again sons of God. Who do not look for the daughters of God, but they look for daughters of men. Ah, that they are tov, good. But thank God, this is not the goodness that is being, expl- <laughs> being, being explained over here. She was a woman of good understanding. I like that. Good understanding. Okay. Okay. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, Proverbs 3130, Baba, Type Jesha Shalmi Ratla. 3130. Before I say it, you just type it. I like that verse. Look at what it says. Actually, 29 seconds. 29 29 Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing. It's vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Okay. So this is exactly what Abigail was. Okay. Let's move. Let's go back to one uh, Samuel. Now, verse 2. Yeah, verse, uh, verse two, yeah. Verse three. Um, she, she, he had three thousand camels. The name of the man was Nabal. The name of his wife was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding, beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Ah, so, so many details are given. Okay, Caleb means dog or a faithful one. Okay. Just because you are a house, household of Caleb doesn't mean that you will inherit the attributes of Caleb. That is the reason why it says he is not a Jew, is one outwardly. Okay. Not all Israel is Israel. You just extrapolate everywhere. Not all churches, church. Not all GTCs. <laughs> Let's call it induction, no? <laughs> be, be very careful. Okay, no. Just, 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 just scaring you and, uh, let's see that. Now, when David heard, so no, no, verse, verse, verse three. 
Another interesting uh, snippet given given about him, if you turn the same thing in KJV, look at verse uh, 17 and verse 25. 17 and verse 25. Now we therefore we, we consider what thou will do, for evil is determined against our master and against his household, for he is such a son of Belial. This is the, uh, this is the testimony of the servant. Okay, let us see the testimony of the wife, if it is anything different. Let not, let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of, man of Bilal. So, so we have four things which are mentioned, at least five things which are mentioned about him. That he is a man of great wealth, he is the house of, of Caleb, he is churlish and stiff-necked, he is evil, and he is a son of Bilal. Now the point you need to ask is, what is Abigail doing there with him? Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Now what that word concord is? Agreement. And what does agreement means? We heard. Pastor said so many words. What does agreement mean? Music. Symphony. Ah. What symphony has got Christ with Belial? What symphony are you making Abigail with this man? Caleb. Sorry, not Caleb. Uh, Nabal. His name means fool, basically. I think that's a title the Holy Spirit gave. He might have been a very other, very other intelligent person, or maybe what's his name? Uh, very intelligent people's name. You know, generally is uh, Aditya. You know, every everywhere you go to a university, okay, if you have a name called Aditya, that fellow is intelligent. Chakra, uh, Aditya, and uh, something else also. I've seen so many Adityas who are very intelligent fellows. I had a student with me. His name is Gattupalli Aditya. Extremely brilliant fellow. His name is also Aditya, but God calls him Nabal. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, it's very... You, it's Chakravarti. All these names, okay. Chakradhar. All these names you go to universities. No? Chakradhar, Chakravarti, uh, Murti, Sharma, Shastri. All these are very, very smart, smart, smart fellows. His name was Shastri Murti, but God calls him what? Nabal. And what is the symphony you are making with Nabal Baba? Good understanding. You are, of course, the daughter of Christ here. What is happening? Now, one of the things that might have happened you know, during those days is that the, the marriage of the daughter is not decided by the daughter. Actually, the marriage of the son also is not decided by the son. It's indeed interesting. Yesterday, Pastor was talking about Abraham. Abraham called Eliezer. Please find a wife for my son. He doesn't even know it. He's, he's completely oblivious to it. Silent in the picture is this Isaac. What it tells me is this, let godly people in your life decide whom should you get married to. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand these things. Don't make decisions about marriage 
about you, when you, with yourself. Because these are life-changing decisions. Don't see the daughters of men that they are good. Huh? Very important these things are. Let people who are filled with the Holy Spirit in your life, to have an Abraham in your life who is filled with the Holy Spirit, let him make the decision about whether you should be married or not married and let him search a bride for you. Because God knows whether you need a, ma- a woman or not in your life. Because these are life-altering decisions. And therefore, she also might have had a father who looked for what? A Nabal. Why did he look for Nabal? That's a very interesting question. My daughter will be secure. He has got bank balance, he has got good education, he is very successful, he is a great man of wealth. And therefore my, my daughter will be such a trem- tremendous deception and a lie from the pit of hell. Think about it. If you are a daughter and you are praying, Lord, will you ever pray? Lord, let she be a daughter of a godly man, if possible, a man who is involved in full-time ministry. Will you pray? I'm asking all parents, including myself, because I have I have an Abigail. I'm already making plans for her to send her to so many so many places. Okay, <laughs> okay. Will she? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you plan and say, Lord, that this child that I have, daughter that I have. She will be a wife of a man who's on fire for you and who's serving you. No, 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 no. Look for a person who's settled in his life. You don't know that fellow's going to die very soon. That is the reason why Timothy and Timothy Paul says, those who desire to be rich, what do they do? They pierce themselves through many sorrows. The only safest place for your children to be is in the presence of godly people. Because nothing is certain in this life. Think about the pandemic that we are having. What are your plans? Ah, After the pandemic is over, we will go back to our works. That's exactly what Edom said. In Malachi chapter 1, he says, we have been brought down, but we will build again. That's a pride of people's heart. That they can be set in their ways and God will say nothing. Consider, consider, matrimonial columns, no, the matrimonial columns is a revelation of people's heart. I can say that freely because only four or few are there and camera I don't know who's watching, okay. <laughs> Otherwise all faces will be looking at me like this, I said, oh my goodness, did I offend anybody, thank. And that is the reason I know what Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their uh, faces, thank you. So, camera, I can't be afraid of you, okay? <laughs> You're all laughing. It's okay. Because, <laughs> but this is, this is very important. Very, very important for us to consider. What is the safest place for you to be? For your children to be in? Like Pastor was saying, Princeton or Liberty? What sayest thou, doctor? Oh, no, 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 no. Deep down inside of your heart, you'll say Liberty, but deep down inside. If I wish Princeton could be like Liberty. It's not going to happen. That's exactly what Lot said. Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like Eden. And the bracket says what? 
before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You do not know what is going, what you are getting yourself into, my dear brother. You thought you were going to have a secure life. Your daughters are going to have a secure future. You are going to get them married to people who are settled. What deception, Macha. The safest place for all of our children is to be in the will of God and to find those people who are on fire for God. First of all, let your daughter be on fire for God. First, don't give to a person who is on fire for God and your daughter is cold. You will pour cold water into that man who is on fire for God. Because, you know, it says, don't marry those daughters because they will turn their hearts. It never says the, the guy turns the heart of the daughter, isn't it? It never says that. I, I, I find it very interesting. Don't take your sons for, I mean, daughters for your sons. Uh, sorry, your, your daughters for their sons. Don't take their daughters for your sons because it leaves the daughters alone. They will turn their sons, their, their heart of your sons to follow other gods. I find it very interesting. My goodness, you have, you, have you seen Timothy and Timothy's mother and the, Timothy's father? It is very interesting that Timothy's father never influenced Timothy's mother. But on the contrary, if the, Timothy's father was on fire for God and she was not on fire for God, I would definitely would not hear about him because by that this time, Antamattam Chalavadi Pairad, he's gone cold because of the, of the madam. Hmm? So be, be, better be sure that your daughter is on fire for God first. Okay. So that is only a besides. Alright. It's free of cost, but let's, let's go to the sin of, <laughs> sin of presumption, okay? Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 25 and let's read from verse 4. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. What should you say to him? Verse 6. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. Stop there. Let me tell you something. In our protection, there are three layers. There are three layers of protection. First layer of protection, peace be to you. Second layer of protection, peace be to your house. Third layer of protection, peace be to all that you have. Three hedges God puts around us. If you are walking upright with God, okay? If you are walking upright. Now this fellow is not even walking upright with God. It is because of somebody else's prayer he has been, he's been enjoying it and he has completely oblivious to it. Turn with me to Job. Chapter 1. Verse 1 and then verse 8. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and the man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And that's verse 8 onwards. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Then Satan says, the soul, Satan answered and said, does Job fear God for nothing? And then, have you not made a where? Hedge around him. Around his household and on around everything that he has. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions you have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch what? All that he has. That is including his possessions and is including his household and he will surely curse you to his ways. And God says, okay, fine. You are allowed to go and touch whatever he has got and whatever whatever is there in his household. His property goes, his family goes. And then next go to chapter 2 of Job and verse 3. 
The Lord, then Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. And then again, verse 4, skin for skin, Satan says. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh and he will surely curse you to his face and God allows him. So there are three hedges around every one of us. What are those hedges? Hedge against you. Hedge against your household, in, around your household, around your house and hedge against all the possessions that you have. So let me tell all the children who have got godly parents. Godly parents don't say, oh, they are not very perfect. What are you saying godly? No, I am saying that those people are walking with God. Okay, they might be making a lot of mistakes, but that's okay. They have their heart for God. But you know what? When If you have a godly family and your godly parents, there are three hedges God places around you. First, there is a hedge around him. And there is a hedge around you. Okay. Stay under that hedge. I'm telling all little children who are growing up, stay under that hedge. Don't break that. You'll break it at your own peril. If God breaks, it's a different thing. Here, God allowed it. You don't break it. That's the reason why whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. That's exactly what happens to so many people, no? Like I, I remember one man of God was sharing this in one of his sermons. He says, you know, I had a young man who was on fire for God. His family is a godly family. Then he goes to university. After he goes to university, and then he comes back to church after one semester and he says, uh, he's not no longer interested in God. He was not on fire for God. And, uh, and the pastor looks at him and says, uh, what happened to you? Pastor, uh, I don't know if really God exists. I don't know. Uh, I went to college, uh, I'm been learning so many things. Is God real? You know what, pastor looks at him directly and he says, who's that girl? I know, all this veneer, don't try to fool me. Who's that girl? Okay, so when parents put a hedge of protection around you and say, you know what, these relationships are not good, these relationships are not bad, are good and bad, stay within that. There's a, there's a framework. Okay. Normal people learn from experience. Fools don't even learn from their experience. Wise people learn from others' experience. So, anybody wise here? Learn from our experience. <laughs> okay, so let's, there are hedges around you. God places. Don't cross them. It's for your own protection. It's a God. God is keeping you from sinning. Don't say these are also so many restrictions. Delight in the fear of God. God has put a hedge around you. Okay, so that is something which I thought I'll share with you. The threefold hedge, don't break it. So let's move on. Come to come back to First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-five, and let's read from verse six onwards. Peace be to, uh, and thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. And verse 7, now I have heard that you have shearers, your shepherds were with us, we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you, therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes, uh, yeah, whatever, please give whatever comes to your hand, to your servants, and to your son. David. In verse 9, 
and David uh, servants come and tell all this. And then this is what Nabal says. Who is David? Verse 10. Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each other from his master. And then, shall I then take my bread? Look at this. Dangerous statements, Ivani. Okay. Okay, this is one of most dim. My bread, my water, my meat that I have killed from my sharers, then it give it to the men whom I don't know. Look at this. My bread, my water, my meat, my sharers. My, 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 my. Finished. There ends the story for this guy. Careful. There's a purpose of wealth. That's the reason why Paul tells those people who are wealthy. You know what he says to Timothy? Command those who are wealthy among you not to put their trust in what? Uncertain riches. There's a command. See, because you do not become rich just because of yourself. You have enjoyed so many things. There is a protection around around you that God has placed you in. Therefore, you have become prosperous. Never ever forget that. It is a protection. Oh my goodness, so many people, they don't even realize that. My, 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 my hard work, my determination, my strength, my talent, my intelligence... What intelligence? You, you, you show me one intelligent fellow, I can show you 150 more intelligent fellow than you who have not got opportunity. Don't ever think that is exactly the reason why God tells the children, children of God through Moses. He says, don't ever think that God chose you because you were the greatest of all people. No, you were the least. In fact, you were stiff-necked, you were rebellious people. God did not choose you because of your righteousness. God chose you in spite of your righteousness. Don't ever say that. It is my righteousness. It is my. You are destined for destruction. Turn with me to Daniel. Chapter 4. This is after the warning, okay? This is chapter 4 and verse 28. Look at what it says. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. When this, when did this come on Nebuchadnezzar? At the end of how many months? Twelve months. He was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And then what happens? Then he spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my name? Finished. Over. While the word was still in his king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken that the kingdom has departed from you and that's it. It becomes an animal. Okay. The moment you get, self, get conceited in your life, you are in for huge, huge danger. Understand that. My, my, my. Fight my and I in your life. Somebody said this statement. No, what is... In the center of sin, I. Exactly. S-I-N me, I hai. Sin. I. I will ascend. I, I. My goodness. Ask God, Lord, not my hard work. It is your grace. That's ex- See, it's not that you don't, you, you're not acknowledging your hard work, but you're acknowledging the grace of God more. First Corinthians chapter 15. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's read from verse um, 6 onwards if I'm right. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 15 verse 6 onwards. So, yeah, verse 7. After, after that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles and verse 8. Then last of all he was also seen by me. Born out of time, least of all the apostles, persecuted the church. And verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the, his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly. There was, there's an I over there. I labored, then he says, yet not I. You see that? But the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it is I or they, we preach and so you believed. You see that? I is there, but I has a proper place. You know where it is God? I has a God proper, has a proper place in the cross. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. You know that very well. 2.20, Galatians. For I have been <laughs> crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the Christ, but Christ lives in me and the life which I, you see, I live, I live in the flesh. I, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Who is this I? Christ. And who is Christ? I. Both are living. But he is in Christ. He is hidden. He is hidden. This is what we call as hidden life. You know, one man of God challenged me like anything. No? He says, can you ask God for the blessing of obscurity? Who said that? Sundar Krishna. Yeah. Can you ask God for the blessing of obscurity? That nobody should know you. Or only your work will last. Your sphere of influence, that's it. And there are so many such men of God. You know, what you see is like, you know, there's this glitter and this glamour and the, and the number of views and the number of subscribers and that is the analytics, Google analytics is a headache. Am I right? Um, I keep asking you anyway, so, but <laughs> Google Analytics is there. The headache, headache is over oh, 20,000 views on your channel now. 350 subscribers. Your channels, uh, subscribers have increased by 19, 999% in the last, what, 15 days. Oh my goodness. This is what the world looks at. Hiddenness. It's very interesting. You turn with me to John's Gospel, sorry, Luke's Gospel chapter 1 and the last two verses. Last two verses of Luke's Gospel chapter 1. Okay, was yeah, uh, was so the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the desert till the day his man of his manifestation in Israel. There's a blessingness in hiddenness, in obscurity, to be hidden. And when you're hidden, when you are hidden, who's being shown? God is being shown, and that's what that's what you're telling. You're saying, Lord, this is not mine. This is yours. Very easy to say that. But very difficult to really put it to practice because deep down inside of our heart is a lust to be known, isn't it? My, my, my. Dangerous. So let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter. See, the moment God, what do you need to overcome sin and for God to keep you from sinning? Grace. And God gives what? Grace to the humble. This for the moment this fuller said, my, he's gone. Protection is gone. And it's just about time he's going to get destroyed. And then, let's go back now. The first Samuel, chapter 25, verse 13. 
So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 kept the supplies. Verse 21. Onwards. 21 to 22. David had said, surely in vain I have protected all this, all that this fellow has in this wilderness. So that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more so, more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by the morning light. You know, if you read uh, the KJV, it is even more graphic. No, 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 don't, 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 don't go to KJV. Okay, <laughs> don't go to KJV. <laughs> it is, KJV is very, very graphic. Okay, don't go to KJV. Okay, it is all for the curious people. Go, go and read it in your secret and God will reward you openly later on. <laughs> okay, very, very graphic. Hmm. See the, to be kept from sinning, the greatest in your life, especially for the people who are ministers of the word of God or ministry or doing ministry, is how people respond to your ministry. Okay. It's a tremendous test for you. You worked hard. You labored. You put your sweat and blood into it. You never desired anything from anybody. You were had a genuine call of God in your life and you labored and labored and labored and people don't accept your ministry. How will you respond? Will you get offended? You know what I'm saying? I'm prophesying about myself and of all those who want to come into full-time ministry. Yeah, Raja say. <laughs> okay, who, whoever wants to come to full-time ministry, I'm telling you, you, you have a genuine call of, of God over your life. And you loved your people. And you labored for them. Night and day with tears. It says, Paul says, I labored for you night and day with tears from house to house. From I did not shun to preach to you the full gospel. Nobody's blood is on my hands. And you know, those fellows cried and wept and hugged them, etc. And did all those th- kinds of things. People may not do that to you. How will you respond? Will you quarrel and you will strap down your sword and say, Lord, bring down fire from heaven and consume them? No. What, what will you say? What will you say? Most of the times I feel like that, but you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's an honest, uh, this thing, but you know what it says in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 26. And a servant of the Lord must not Everybody read that. Come on, come on. Now the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. But be gentle to all. That means somebody has offended you when you talk to him. Brother. Is this the way you respond to me? Uh, So there's a, there's a, there's a, brother. Okay. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. You know, actually, uh, the, the, one of the, one of the, Qualifications to be an elder in the church, uh, you know, you don't have to turn there. In Second Timothy, he talks about you should be a husband of one wife, etc., etc. You should not be a striker. It says in KJV. I used to think, what is a striker, Baba? You know, carrying board striker? No, no, no. Striker means dishum dishum. Okay, that is what striker. You should not be a striker because the first Bible I read was in KJV. And I was thinking, who's a striker? What does it mean to be not a striker? Then I <laughs> read the other translation: not a violent man. You know, if you are a violent man, you are not fit for the ministry. There should be a violence against your soul. Against your flesh, against the world, against 
There should be a zeal of God and not just zeal for God. And the only one person who has the zeal of God and zeal for God together. You know who that person is? Jesus. And he was never quarrelsome. He made a whip, but he never spanked anybody. I don't know, but uh, I think that's what many people say, but I beg to differ, but it's okay, no problem. Uh, (laughs) And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility. Ah, So many attributes, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. That should be our attitude, he says. But what does David do? Strap his sword and says, this fellow is going to die today. How do you respond? For those who reject your ministry, will you get offended? The greatest offense is when, I mean the the ultimate offense is when you do good and people don't respond to you. and They don't accept your ministry. That is the ultimate offense. You know, offense is like somebody corrects you and uh, you, 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 do, you did a mistake, you sinned and somebody corrected you, got offended. That's a very little, small level of offense. That offense is only bacha level offense. That is uh, not even LKG. It is nursery or less than nursery, it's preschool. You got offended because somebody came and corrected you because you made a mistake or something. You sinned. PhD level offense is when you do good to others, you poured your life for them. And they spit at you, they do everything to you and they nail you to the cross and then what comes out of you? Father, forgive them. That is PhD level. Will you get offended? If people don't accept your ministry? It's a question. It's a tremendous test. Let's move on. We'll come to that later on. A little more. First Samuel chapter... 25 and verse 14 onwards now. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master. And he and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as he accompanied them when we were in the fields, etc., etc., etc. Verse 17, Oh, therefore, no one consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial, is what the original translation says, that one cannot speak to him. How do you know that a, a son of Belial, when nobody can speak to me? Huh? That is when I know that I am a son of Belial. Alright, then Abigail made haste and she took a lot of stuff. And verse 19, she said, uh, she said to her messenger servants, go on before me, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Okay, there's no point talking to this guy because he's not going to listen to you anyway. Now, question is this. Have you come to a point in your life not nobody can speak to you? That you are so set in your ways. You know what? who is the son of Belial? A person who cannot be spoken to. Ah, exactly. You are set in your ways. That is what we call incorrigible in, the, in English. 
who cannot be disciplined cannot be corrected. Okay, let's let's forget that. Let's move on. So it was that she rode a donkey that she went down under uh, under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming toward her, and she met them. And this is what she does. Verse twenty. I love this this fantastic interchange, or maybe I could say a monologue, a dialogue is there. Okay, and David said to her, "Surely in vain." Okay, this is all gone. Verse twenty three. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from her donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, "On me and my lord, my, on me, my lord, on me, let this iniquity be, and please let your maid servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your." When you want to correct others, there should be an attitude. You know what, what that attitude is? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, first of all, who is spiritual? Very important. If you think that you are spiritual, be very careful, okay? I am spiritual. Antambo, <laughs> antagadu. Okay. So the qualification is very, very important, okay? Okay. That's very, it's very interesting, no? A spiritual man discerns everything. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But he himself is not discerned by any man. He discerns everything. Why? Because he is a man who is of the spirit. He has compared spiritual things with the spiritual things and he is really under control. He doesn't do anything hastily. Look at what he says. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, not of the flesh, be very sure that your, your attitude is not of the, of the flesh, but of the spirit that you have prayed and labored in prayer before God. And you have asked God for a leading. You who are spiritual, and that should be for what? Not for rebuke, but for Restoration. You see this. This that is the reason why love what covers. That means it has to go in an attitude of love to win that person over. That he or that person can see your point of view. That is when you are spiritual. Because that takes a lot of patience, right? For example, let's say uh, I know that I'm doing the right thing. I know that I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing uh, according to scriptures. I'm seeing what I'm, I'm looking at. But Raj doesn't agree with me. The ultimate test for me would be to work in such a way with Raj that he'll be able to see my point of view. You know? Okay. Shatrunu Gelodamante Vani Champanangadu. Vani Odin Chadam. Yanaudisto? Vani Nisnetruga Yuskutaipata. In other words, the way you defeat the enemy is to make him your friend. That's exactly how God did. He defeated his foes by making them his friends. All of us. You were enemies of God. And he made us into his friends. That's how he defeated. The ultimate test is to restore it. That should be our spirit. Lord, this is what I want to rest. I love this brother so much, Lord. And I can't see him going this way. I am telling you, there are so few people are, who are like that. I know, I know in my own personal life, Shibo was like that. Whew. He would, he would email me, okay, two, three uh, times he would see when I, he comes to his, that Bible study used to happen in my, my, uh, my room, okay. And he would say, Vijay, your room, nice, sarcastically obvious, of course. 
And then after a few days, he would send me an email. He would say, Vijay, this is not good in your life. I'm seeing that the fire of God is slowly going. Come back. And I knew that this man loves me. And he he would pray for all of us. I saw it personally so many times, you know, in my own secret ways, I used to look at his life. Pray. Spirit of, I want to restore this brother. And this brother doesn't agree with me. But I want to win him over to my side. That is ultimate test for a spiritual man. A spiritual man is able to discern and he wants to win that person over to be able to see his point of view. He also has the humility to say, if I am wrong, I am also willing to take your point of view. That is a spiritual man. This is the attitude with which we deal with ourselves in the church of the living God. A spiritual man is looking for restoration and for not for destruction. And how does he do? He does this in a spirit of gentleness. And how does he do it? Considering yourself lest you be also what? Oh! In other words, you don't have a judgmental spirit at all. You say, Lord, Vurdhanari Pativradaha. If I was in his place, I might have done worse. I might have done worse. This is a spirit of meekness and gentleness. No wonder. God looked at Abigail and said, This full, this girl deserves a better man. You see that? A spirit of gentleness and a meekness. Lest you also be what? How many of you think that you can't be tempted? Huh? What is the prayer that we asked, we were praying? Lead me not into temptation. And you think that you are spiritual. First of all, you should have the spirit. A spirit of restoration, a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you should be tempted. That is the reason why it says in Philippians, consider others better than you. If you have that attitude, you are your safest Baba. And first of all, in places where you are, where you are not, your, this is not your sphere of influence, don't even interfere. Keep yourself. Allow. That's the reason why Paul says, don't judge anything before time. And when God comes, he will just do, do everything. All the secrets of men will be exposed and everybody will, re, will receive his wages from God. Okay? So, spirit of gentleness and meekness. This is what I call a gentleness. And otherwise, you know, you also will be tempted in that area. So this is not so much for David. This is also for Abigail. You see that? And then let's go back to First Samuel chapter 25 and verse 25. 24 onwards, yeah. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be, and please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. You see, you know what? One of the things that I've observed, you have to earn your right to be heard. The problem is, we have a digital generation. Anybody can speak anything. You see, for example, let's say 20 years ago, I'm, talk, I'm talking about before before the digital revolution that has happened. In order for me to be invited to a particular place so that people would give me an ear, I should have earned the right to be heard. Now, you feel anything? You can say and put it on YouTube. 
and you can send it to all to your friends in your in, in that link in WhatsApp. Please look at my channel. Please look at my channel. Please look at my channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you have come to a point in the, in this digital generation, you can do anything, and you want to be heard. Those days, people had to fight to be heard. You have to earn the right to be heard, my dear brothers. Everybody wants to come and preach. You have to earn that right to be heard. And people who come to preach don't want to preach. <laughs> you know, you need to understand that. You have to earn the right to be heard. This is what I call earning the right to be heard. Look, please give ears to my, to my words. There's a burden deep down inside of your heart. That is the reason why it says a burden of Malachi. And who's Malachi? A person who's hidden on God, in God. And Malachi is a servant and a messenger of God. He is my servant, God says. And he is hidden in me. When he is speaking, I am speaking. And he is earned the right to be heard. Digital age we have. And everybody can say anything and write a blog and write his opinion. Everybody has an opinion. So very careful. Very, very careful. Very careful. We need to earn the right to be heard. Say that. Let us earn the right to be heard. All of you are on camera. Let us earn the right to be heard. It's not an easy thing. It's a process. 30 years Jesus had to be with his parents, submit to their authority to earn the right to be heard. And then God was with him. And when he went and spoke with the anointing and the authority of the Holy Spirit, he arrested people. He earned the right to be heard. John the Baptist was for 30 years hidden in the wilderness and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And after that, when he was called out, it says the word of God circumvented all the people in authority and in high places and went to the wilderness in John. And then he had the authority to speak and people came to him in the wilderness. He didn't have to go because he earned the right to be heard. My dear brothers and sisters, we have to be very careful. You should earn the right to you. Should that is that is what what we call as a spiritual man up man who stays humble and says, "Lord, work on me, work on me, work on me." And one day I know you will send me. And when you send me, I know that you are with me. And that time I know that I will be able to arrest people with the words which is not I got. It is what I heard from you, and people will hear. I would have earned the right to be heard. Digital generation we are living in, my dear brothers, earn the right to be heard. Anybody can say anything, no? And forwarded on WhatsApp nonsense. And the, the, the yearning and the desire to forward something on the WhatsApp group. Listen to me, listen to me. I heard this, listen to me. Hey, hold on, Re Baba. Take it easy. I mean, I can tell you honestly, in all these years, how many times I forwarded anything on GDC, uh, uh, GDC group? Tell me. If I have to put something on the GDC group, even if it's a response to it, I have to think so many times. I don't do it. I don't take those things casually. All to, to all my brothers, earn the right to be heard. <laughs> okay. Praise God. Let's move on. I'm, I'm telling you with love and compassion. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Let's move on. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nawal. You know something? She's not Denying the fact. For that is his name. That is his nature. See, the point is, what are you and what is this fellow? In, in, in Telugu they are saying, Pichakamida Brahmastram. <laughs> Why are you using your Brahmastra on, on this Pichaka? <laughs> what is this fellow, Nabal? 
Move on. Verse 26, yeah. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, the Lord has held you back. Look at this. From committing bloodshed and avenging yourself. He's telling, David, don't avenge this. Let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And next verse, look at this. Look at what she says. Verse uh, 28, yeah. Please forgive the trespass of, uh, forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because the Lord fights the battles of the Lord. You know what she is reminding David? Fight the battles of the Lord. This is not a battle of the Lord. You are being called to fight God's battles. This is nonsense. This is your brother who is a fool. He is from the household of Caleb. And Caleb was was which tribe? Judah. Mm -hmm. So he is also your kinsman in some some sense. Okay. Just leave it alone. Lot of people are wrestling against flesh and blood. Some people, like Derek Prince says, we do not wrestle, period. (laughs) No, 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 no. We do not wrestle against Against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There's a battle. I mean, I always get this counsel, which he says, uh, I always tell, every test is a spiritual battle. You, that's operating through flesh and blood. But flesh and blood is not your enemy. The powers of darkness which is operating against you, uh, 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 through the flesh and blood is your enemy. They are just only a tool. So you, instead of you finding, fighting the Lord's battles, don't fight your brother. That's exactly what she's saying. You know, you, you want to be kept from sinning, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't quit fighting flesh and blood. Okay. If husband and wife are fighting, fighting with each other, what are they doing? Flesh and blood. You food. Finished. Flesh and blood. Instead of fighting the powers of darkness, what are we doing? Fighting flesh and blood. That's what Paul tells in in First Corinthians chapter six. You don't have to turn there. You have a dispute here. You are taking it to the, before the Gentiles. Why are you not taking before the saints? Don't you find even a small least fellow in the church who is able to keep is capable of discerning this? I speak to your shame. He says, shame, shame, you fellows. Brother takes things against brother, and that too before the Gentiles. What are you doing? Don't you know that we judge? We will be judging angels. Don't you think that this is a this is a battle? It is not a flesh and blood. It is in the it's in the heavenlies. What are we fighting? Are we fighting fighting the Lord's battles or fighting one another? That is the point. Why is there no victory over sin in our lives? Why are we not being kept from sinning simply because we are fighting not the Lord's battles but our own flesh and blood? That's the problem. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 19. That's the authority which is given to the church. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he hears, you have gained your brother. If he will, if he will not hear, take, take with you one or two missiles by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything is established. And look at verse 18. Okay, verse 18. 
if he refuses, etc. As surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And verse 19, if to agree, of you agree on earth concerning anything, it will be done by my father in heaven. So David, what are you fighting? Lord's battles? Or your battle? Mm, we have a personal, I have to prove to this fellow now that I am also spiritual. Comparison, you know, comparing, contrast, even any personal battles. I am better than this, I am better than this. All personal battle. Instead of fighting the Lord's battle, we end up fighting personal battles. Verse 29 of 1 Samuel. Yet a man has risen to pursue you. And she is reminding of his of his life. And to seek your life. Who is that person? Saul. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living God. Ah, 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 Look at the way she is poetically putting things across. You know, that is what we call as the words which Holy Spirit puts in your mouth. You know how you, how spiritual people think, speak? They speak with the words with which the Holy Spirit speaks. This is inspired scripture, my dear brothers. We seek to have this kind of a tongue. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies shall he sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Whom is she reminding of him of? Look at the way she is reminding. I think David would have been stunned. Stunned. Can you imagine? What a, what a, what words she has got. This is wisdom. You know, she's reminding him of David. Was not God your sustenance all these days? Do you have to take matters into your own hands? First, second Timothy chapter four. Verses 16 to 18. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against him, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that the Lord and all the Gentiles might fear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and then go on. Look at this. And the Lord will will deliver me from every evil work. Look at that. From every evil work. And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. That's exactly what she is praying for David. That the Lord will keep me and preserve me. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what should we take care of, therefore? First Samuel chapter 25 and verse 30 to 31. I'm going to finish in like 5 or 10 minutes max, okay? Maximum five minutes, ten minutes. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over all. You know, she is reminding him her, her him of his destiny. Where are you heading, David? And why are you getting distracted with you know, this nonsense? You see, that is the reason why you have to have focus. You know something? When people distract you and they try to pull you down, the first thing you you have to do is go to your secret closet up here, take your Bible and say, Lord, let's just take this thing out of my mind. Let me get back to you. Let me focus. I have done it so many times. Sometimes I get venom from 
so many different directions, you know. So it affects me. I mean, I'm just a still bacha, okay, when compared to other people, okay. I'm still a bacha, but it affects me. It affects me really bad. And the inertia, you know, because I, I, I believe so much in Newton's laws and then spiritual laws. So it, 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 everybody is continuous in a state of rest or of uniform motion except unless acted upon by an external force, okay. The inertia is there. So I said, okay, Lord, this inertia should not last long. Let there be an external influence. So go and start reading the word of God. Within 24 hours, I'm good. I'm concentrating more on the word of God and focusing on the purpose that God has given me to study the word, minister to people. Let all these distractions is laid to the side. Learn these small, small truths over here. Okay. And that's verse 31. That this will not be, this will be uh, no grief to you nor, okay. Nor what? Offense. You guys are no grief nor offense. Look at this. Two verses I'm going to show. One verse in KJV and one verse in ESV. Okay. Turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. We know this very well. This is John the Baptist when he's prison, even when he's in prison, okay? He's got offended big time. Why? Because, because he never expected this to be coming from his ministry. Man in the old covenant. And Jesus says something very interesting. He says, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended because of me. How many of us want to keep ourselves from offense like this? I want to. So how do we do it? Okay? The, the solution is given in ESV version, if you will. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. I love this verse. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Good sense. Okay, look at this, everybody. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Kya baat hai? So as I tell, as I told you, I mean, I, I'm not quoting my words, I'm quoting Tim Keller's words. It is not no anger. It is not blow anger. It is slow anger. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God demands. So slow. Slow. One of the things that we practice over and over again, don't become hyper too much easily, too fast. Take it easy. Ask God for that spirit of self-control. Spur of a moment, you just blow something. You know, if some fuse goes wrong, that's it. Samskutam comes out. Aram se. Take it easy. Okay. Slow. A good sense makes one slow to anger. So what do we ask God for? Now you can go to other translations. So KJV now. The discretion of man deferreth his anger. <laughs> I like that, no? The discretion of man deferreth his anger. Discretion of man deferreth. That means defer. Slow. Slow to anger. And it is to his glory to pass over transgression. A lot of people say, no, it is a glory of God to conceal a matter and go to glory of kings to reveal it to you. Everybody likes revelation. Oh, God, revelation today. But there's another glory also. There's a glory to look Pass over an offense and ignore it. Ignore. Okay. Have you ever seen uh, a share walking in the jungle? Just imagine, okay? Just imagine a share walking in a jungle and a lot of dogs barking. Kukkal Maruthan onte. Are you a king? What does the king do? Are, if I come to your dead meat, re. Chal, chal, tike, tike. Kitna, kitna shor machana hai, machale. 
I'm not going to move. See? That's a king. Share to share, you know. Okay? That's the point over here. It's not that we are condoning some, some people's offense or not. Ignore. You know why? Because you have a greater purpose. Let these small distractions not steal your focus from the greater purpose. Okay, that is how you keep yourself. Ignore offense. Ignore. Overlook. Okay, let's see. First Peter, chapter 4. And let's, and then we will stop. First Peter, chapter 4. And verse 7 onwards. Very important. 7 and 8. That's it. Okay. But the end of all things <laughs> is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity covereth a multitude of sins. Ignore. You know why? End of all things is at hand. Corona bhi ho gaya. Abhi offense ko. Just get all these offenses out. People have said so many things against you. Forget them. Leave it alone. Focus on your job. Focus on your job. And verse 32 now. And we'll finish. This is what David says, no? First Samuel chapter 25 verse 32. What a beautiful chapter this is, okay? If so many truths can be, I'm just highlighting a few, okay? Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. You know what? Receive correction from the most unlikeliest, uh, unlikeliest of people. That's an attitude. Okay. Okay, that's, I'm gonna leave with that thought and we'll finish this chapter and then we will, okay, we'll read this, read this chapter because it's too beautiful, it's too romantic and it's too beautiful. If you like romance, this is the best book to read, okay? Verse 30, 36 now, 36 onwards. Now Abigail went to Nabal and there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. <laughs> Nabal's heart was merry with him for he was very drunk. Therefore she did not tell him anything little or much until night. Okay. Until light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal that his wife told him all these things that his heart died with him and he became like a stone. Then it happened after 10 days. The guy's heart is hardened. And 10 days God gave him to see if if he's going to change. 10 days he died. Then what happens? So when David heard that Nabal was dead, blessed be the God, etc. And then was, uh, and David sent and proposed to Abigail. I like that. First proposal, okay? To take her as his wife. And look at this answer. And when the servants of David came to him, came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose. You know, this is the widow of the perfect widow. Ultimately, she's gonna, she's gonna have a David after God's own heart. Not this David. Another David. Why? Because this David is going to disappoint her very soon. Okay. No sooner than she has proposed her something else, he also does. Okay. Then she arose, bowed her, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maid servant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. I love that. No? Your God? My God. Your people? My people. So Abigail 
rose in haste, rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And I wish the story ends there. But unfortunately, we have another two verses to go. David also took, you got this beauty with brain. What are you doing? Also, Ahino am from Jezreel. So both of them his wives. And Saul also gave him a call. Problem, David. You know what I wrote at the end? All earthly Davids will disappoint you. All earthly Davids will go till chapter 40, verse 44. But our heavenly David stops with, with you. There is only one who can never leave you nor forsake you. Who will absolutely be loyal to you and you alone. That is our heavenly David. And to that David, you know what he says, I am preparing for myself a bride. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water by the word. To present her to himself, a glorious church. And what is glorious church we said yesterday? Gorgeously apparelled. Without stain or without wrinkle or without blemish. But holy and blameless. Be joined to him, my dear brothers. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And I'm not speaking about marriage. I'm speaking about Christ and his church. Be joined to him this morning. And if you join to him, you know what he will do to you? He will keep you from sinning. Shall we pray? Pastor, you can. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning. So many truths we learned. Father, we pray Lord Jesus. There's only one person who can be absolutely romantic. And that is you. All the stories that we learn and learn from in the old covenant and in from the Bible are parables. Of that ultimate romance that we will have with our son of God. And you gave us a bit of that in our hearts. To experience the joy for a few moments on this earth. And on this earth is only a parable of the permanent love that we are going to enjoy. The romance that we are going to enjoy. It will be truly to live happily ever after with you and you alone. In order to prepare a bride with that kind of beauty. You are keeping us Lord. And you're not only keeping us, but you're preparing us. You're sanctifying us. You're setting us apart more and more through the washing of water by the word. And I pray, Father, none of us in these last days will break that hedge and leave your presence. But will stay under those, under the hedges that you have given to us. For your word says that we are kept by the power of God. And this will truly be our prayer from the bottom of our hearts. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us 
Amen and Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen.